Welcome to day 176 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today begin our brief journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. We're reading chapters 1 through 3. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. The title of the book Ecclesiastes takes its name from the Greek word for the leader of an assembly or congregation. In Hebrew, the book is named Koheleth, the word often translated as teacher. Like the book of Job, Ecclesiastes wants to push back and challenge the oversimplification of the wisdom tradition, especially as we have just read it in Proverbs. In particular, the oversimplification of the wisdom tradition is challenged by the relentless passage of time, the ever-present threat of death, and the seeming randomness of many of the events in life and in history. Although Solomon's name is mentioned in the opening verses, most scholars find it unlikely that Solomon is the book's actual author. Various places and things mentioned in the book seem to hint at a much later date than the time of Solomon, who was reigning around the 10th century BC. It seems likely that the book was written six or maybe even 700 years after the life of King Solomon. The book is also narrated by an author who is not the teacher or Koheleth in the text, The author is actually quoting the words of Koheleth and then making their own assessment of those statements at the end of the book. It's my best guess that a sage or scribe during or just after the return from exile in Babylon, so sometime after 340 BC, sat down and wrote Ecclesiastes to reflect on the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Imaginatively, the author resurrects Solomon literarily to reflect on the rise and fall of Israel, and now on its rebuilding. So for the sage, the return of Judah and Jerusalem may be wonderful, but it too will have its own season and its own cycle. The second verse of chapter 1 establishes the primary theme of the book. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Or in the Common English Bible, perfectly pointless, perfectly pointless, everything is pointless. The Hebrew word translated as vanity, meaningless, or pointless is the word havel. It's a difficult word to translate and is closely associated with breath or vapor. So perhaps the best way to read verse 2 is not that everything is ultimately meaningless or purposeless, but that, like vapor or smoke, it's impossible to hold on to anything permanently. Maybe think of it this way. Take in a deep breath and then try to hold it in. You can hold it for only a few seconds before you finally have to let it go and then take in another breath. This is the way Koheleth views existence. Like smoke, vapor, or breath, it can't be held or kept for very long. It comes and then it goes, like the seasons of the year. The opening poem in verses 3 through 9 reflect this cyclical reality. The wind circulates, the tides come in and go out. The circle of life, if you will, continues without end. We see things, but we want to see more. We hear sounds, but we always want to hear more. The ear is never full. The eye is never complete. New inventions or technologies may come along, but they are used for the same purposes. If the author of Ecclesiastes were alive today, he might say, we have more advanced ways of killing one another, but war remains the same. Our technologies may have become more advanced, but we're still using them in the same sinful ways that humans have always behaved. From verse 12 of chapter 1 through chapter 2, we get a kind of royal autobiographical reflection. It is, again, as though Solomon, or another great kingly figure, has returned from the dead to reflect on what they devoted their life to and what those things might mean to them now. 
And there are three areas that are named in particular, the pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of wealth and pleasure, and the pursuit of justice or significance. The king pursued knowledge only to discover that there's more to know than can ever be known. New books are published every day. Not only can you never read them all, but the use of words to try to describe truth, it will just never end. Books will keep coming. Knowledge will keep flowing. And so pursuing knowledge is like chasing the wind. The king pursued wealth and pleasure only to discover that there's no end to desire and riches don't follow you to the grave. Everything you've worked for will ultimately belong to someone else and the inheritance you leave for your children may actually harm them rather than help them. So perhaps pursuing wealth is also like chasing after the wind. The king also pursued justice or significance only to find that there was more evil that emerged or more titles to go gain. He also found that there was too much randomness in life for the easy equations of the wisdom tradition to fully work. Sometimes bad things happen to good people and good things come to bad people. So pursuing justice or significance is also like chasing after the wind. Verse 24 is the first occasion of the writer's primary message. There's nothing better for human beings than to eat, drink, and experience pleasure in their hard work. I also saw that this was from God's hand. Chapter 3 begins with the beautiful poem on the seasons that the birds made famous in the 60s with the ballad against war. Like the cycles of the wind and the waters described in chapter 1, the seasons also continue in perpetual cycle. There's a time and season for everything, and it's impossible in the fall to keep winter from coming. And winter may be dreary, but spring will eventually break through. This is the reality of the cycles of life and nature and seasons. And so we get the same thought again that the author offered in chapter 2. In chapter 3, verses 12 through 13, it says, There's nothing better for them but to enjoy themselves and do what's good while they live. Moreover, this is the gift of God, that all people should eat, drink, and enjoy the results of their hard work. But an additional thought is added here in verse 14. I know that whatever God does will last forever. It's impossible to add to it or take away from it. This may be the heart of the book's entire message. We have this gift of this moment. And like breath, we can't hold it forever, but we must let it go and receive the next breath and with gratitude. In the perspective of history, we should be humble and have a proper perspective on how much we can accomplish in our relatively brief and short existence. But when we offer our breath back to God, God is able to weave it into a divine story that is eternal, a story that is impossible to add to ultimately or take away from because it's God's. In the busyness of our lives, Ecclesiastes wants to give us some much needed perspective and invite us to embrace the gift of the moments given to us by God. So we should work hard, but at the same time, we should not take ourselves too seriously. This too is divine wisdom. Well, we keep going tomorrow through this dark but poetic book. We're reading Ecclesiastes chapters 4 through 6, and we're adding Psalm 75. I'll talk to you tomorrow.